Again, it's still me. <laughs> still, still my first time. Hey, uh, how many of you would consider yourself a, an honest person, a person, of in, a person of integrity? Okay, we have one. Okay, there's a few of you. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question, an honest question. I want to know, what are you waiting on from God? Just think about that. What is it that you're waiting for God to do in your life? Today we're going to talk about Psalm 40. I love, love, love this psalm. I've been studying this one for a long time. This has been one of my favorites, but specifically I've been, I've been really saturating myself in this particular psalm for the last probably six weeks and really trying to get every morsel of it. And what I realized um, in coming into this today was that I can't tackle all of it. So I think I'm just going to try to, we're going to read through the whole thing together but what we're really going to focus on today are the four essentials of waiting on the Lord. Four things, four ways that we wait on the Lord, that honor him and that can grow our lives in him. So would you turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 40, and I'm going to be reading this out of the New Living Translation, if you're doing it on your phone. Let us read this together. Would you guys mind standing again as we read this together? I'd like us... All to read it, it should be up on the screen up there. So this is the reading of the word of God, Psalm chapter 40. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I have come, as in written about me in the scriptures. I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. I have told all your people about your justice. I have not been afraid to speak out as you, O Lord, know well. And I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. 
I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I've told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. Let your unfailing love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles surround me, too many to count. My sins pile up so high, I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I have lost all courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to destroy me be humiliated and put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame. Aha, we've got him now. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great! As for me, since I am poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts. You are my helper and my savior. Oh my God, do not delay. How many of you know this was written specifically for you? Right? You're wondering, you're like, how did God know that I needed to hear this just today? Well, I can promise you that this is a really encouraging passage. This is a, yeah, you can be seated. I'm sorry. This is a really encouraging passage part of the word of God, because basically, you know, David has been crying out and crying out, and the Lord has, has come and demonstrated his faithfulness to him. How many of you need that right now? You need the Lord to demonstrate his faithfulness to you. You've been waiting for a long time, or you've been crying out for a long time. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe, uh, you know, you, you've wanted to get married, and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and it just seems like everybody around you is getting married and, and you're just left all alone. Or maybe you've wanted to have a baby and you can't seem to conceive. Or maybe you've needed a new job. Or maybe you're in financial bondage. Or maybe just personal internal struggles. Maybe you wrestle with anxiety and depression and you've been crying out, God, please deliver me from this. Anybody resonate with any of these? Yeah, just a few of you. <laughs> I just know that the Lord is faithful, and we're going to talk about how to wait on the Lord, how to wait on the Lord in a way that honors him, on, um, a way that really brings him glory. Because you know, there, you can wait, like, like, for example, let's say you go to the doctor's office, and you're sitting there, and you're waiting, because it's called a waiting room, and you're waiting, and it's taking forever, you have a choice at that point if you get up and leave or if you complain or if you're angry or grouchy or you can just decide there's nothing I can do about it, so I'm just going to wait. Yeah? How many of you do that? How many of you are like, yeah, I, I'll just chill out here? Yeah, nobody, because that's not human nature, is it? None of us like to wait. Anybody like to wait? Have you ever heard someone say, I just love to wait for the things that I want. Anybody ever say that? It's, it's oxymoronic to even think that anyone would say that. We hate to wait, don't we? And, and I want to just say, you know, I'm going to clear up something. A lot of times people will say, oh, don't pray for patience. It's like, you know, God is completely able to bring patience into you, whether you pray for it or not. 
But you can be guaranteed everything you pray for is for your good. So if God's putting it on your heart to pray for patience, don't be afraid. God's not suddenly going to go, oh, they want patience? Okay. It's like God already knows that we need to be patient. But in the patience that we're talking about here, it's a very different kind of patience. We're probably going to only be able to cover the first six verses. If we have time, we'll get into more. But let's start with the first one. This is verse one. These are the four essentials of waiting on the Lord, which is a different thing than just waiting for a red light to turn green. Yes? It's a very different thing. Or waiting for the next shoe to drop if you've been traumatized somehow. Yeah? This is a very, very different thing. And I'm hoping to be able to point that out today and give us the tools that we can take to to wait patiently on the Lord and to actually find pleasure and joy in the waiting. Does this seem like too, too big an order, anybody? Verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair. I love the NIV. It says he lifted me out of the slimy pit. Anybody, anybody in the slimy pit? The pit of despair, it says, and the mud and the mire. And he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. The first essential in waiting on the Lord is to be patient. This particular word, how many of you know that the Bible was not written in English? It was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And the New Testament was written in primarily in Greek and a little bit of Arabic. But this word is so complex that we don't even have an English word that that can coincide with it. We actually have to take two different words, but even all the different translations of this are so different. I waited expectantly for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. It's There's all kinds of different ways, but the first thing that it says is that we have to be patient. This does not come naturally. This is a supernatural thing. You know, we sang today about surrendering, just surrendering to God. Part of surrendering to God is learning to trust his timing. Because our God is eternal. He lives outside of time, correct? We live inside time, so we're really bound by it. When you think about it, isn't a lot of your stress related to timing, to time, Oh, I'm running, I'm running late. How many people are, are late people? Anybody? <laughs> Nobody will admit this. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> you know, um, my mentor from afar, one of my mentors from afar, um, the late Dallas Willard, he's a theologian. Y- y- y'all, you know everyone needs a mentor, right? You need somebody to be able to speak into your life. You should, you should all have a mentor. Let me just encourage you, if you don't, Please try to find one, somebody that's, that's more advanced in their faith than you are. Maybe get involved in a community group or do something to have a mentor. I have lots of mentors in my life that speak into my life, people that can say no to me, and I will listen to them. Dallas Willard can't say no to me because he's not alive anymore. But um, one of the things that he said, and one of the things I've been trying to adopt, is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from my life. Think about that for a second. 
to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. How much less stressed out would you be if you eliminated hurry? Anybody? How much less stressed out would you be? Right? I know it's convicting. When I first heard that, I was so absolutely convicted. Because I'm the, I'm like, I'm not usually early and sometimes I'm late, but I'm usually like, I walk in like, ever since I was in high school, I can remember um, I, I, I was in a class, it was a typing class. Anybody remember typing class? <laughs> Typewriters? Yeah. Um, I used to, the bell would ring at 8.30 just as I would sit down. Literally every single day. I don't know how that happened because I would, I would vow every day, I'm going to get there earlier, I'm going to get there earlier. But I stressed myself out so much. When we wait patiently on the Lord, when we have patience, it eliminates so much stress because we're not putting him on a time frame because God's timing is perfect. And I will be the first to admit, sometimes I hate God's timing. I can't stand God's timing. It seems like he's always late. You know how people always say, oh yeah, he's the 11 o'clock God, you know? I'm like, no, he's like more like 1.30 past 12. You know, he's like, it seems like God is late. The Bible even says that. You know, it says he is not slow as some of us would understand slowness, but he is faithful and he is able to make his will come to pass. But what do we do in the meantime? We wait patiently. Amen? How many of you feel like you've got that down? You wait patiently. Um, I, I used to be a waitress. That's why I, I have this... this um, table here today. I learned a lot about human nature through waiting on tables. And one of the things that I learned, well, two of the things I learned, the first thing I learned was when you approach a table, you need to figure out immediately, do these people want to be entertained? Do they want me to like be part of their dinner experience? Or do they want me to be a ghost and just come and bring their food and disappear? You know what I'm saying? How many of you are the kind you like to, you like to interact with your wait staff? Anybody? How many of you just want them to bring you what you want? You don't want to talk to them. You know, <laughs> all the extroverts versus the introverts. So when I was a waitress, I would, I would learn to wait patiently. And that's kind of what this is talking about, waiting. It's I would stand there, and sometimes for a very long time, while people would decide what they wanted. And if they took too long, I couldn't just take off and leave and go make a ham sandwich and slap that on the table and expect a tip, <laughs> you know? But as a waitress, I would have to wait until I was really clear what their order was. I couldn't just make something up. But how many of us, when God's taking too long, decide we're going to take it into our own hands? Anybody? You know, the Bible is so full of stories of people where God took way too long, so they took things into their own hands. That is never a good thing, ever, ever, ever. Don't take it into your own hands. If you believe that you're waiting on the Lord for something and he's not coming through, don't go to that place where I'm just going to have to do the Hagar thing. You know, remember Abraham, Abraham and Sarah got this promise they were going to have a son, and it didn't happen, and God just was taking way too long, and then it looked impossible. 
because Sarah was barren. I mean, she was past the age of childbearing, and Abraham was an old, old man. And there was no possible way, but yet, think about it. God was getting them ready to blow them away. And he is getting you ready to blow you away. He wants to demonstrate his faithfulness. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to show you that he's faithful. Now turn to the other side, your second choice, and say, but he needs you to be patient. God wants to blow you away. He's preparing you. He's doing something in you right now. He's doing something so good in you. It's so good, but you need to be patient. You need to wait. And the thing is, number two, expectation. You need to wait expectantly. This means, like, imagine it's Thanksgiving morning, and you can smell that turkey, and you can see all the food out there, and your stomach is growling, and you come and sit down at the table. It's that kind of expectation. When we wait on the Lord, we wait expecting something amazing expecting that God is going to do something for our good. There is a lie that many, many people embrace, and that is that God is not for you. He is for you. And like we sang, even when we don't see it, he's working. God is always working on your behalf for your good, whether you see it or not. Amen? But he wants you to be expectant and to go, Something good is going to come out of this. And, and I, I understand how difficult it is and how hopeless we can be at times when it's just, things are just dark. Things are just so dark. And you feel so forgotten by God. You feel overlooked. You feel like he doesn't hear you. You feel like you're the exception. You're the only one that he doesn't really like. Right? But I'm telling you, he is preparing you for something good. He is preparing you to see his faithfulness in your life. But wait patiently with great expectation. It's like the term when a woman is pregnant, they say she's what? She's expecting she knows there's something that's going to happen that's going to be good, hopefully, in most cases. Most pregnancies, the woman is anticipating something. There's something beautiful that's going to happen. I'm going to have a baby. And it is a baby, even when it's in her womb, right? Same word. Same word in the womb as out of the womb. And we can talk about that later. But... When a woman is pregnant, she's expecting, she's hoping for something good. And this is, we are all pregnant. Your pregnancy test was positive. Woo! Hallelujah. Singles are like, mm-mm. <laughs> People who are empty nesters, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> but you are pregnant with something good that God has, that he wants to show you. You are not the exception. If that's what you're thinking right now, you're like, yeah, I know God's like that for everybody else, but he just doesn't work with me that way. Ah, 
false. That is not true. Try again. Tell yourself this right now. God is for me. God is working on my behalf. I am pregnant. (laughs) Some of you had an easier time saying that. We are all pregnant with something good, even in the midst of our waiting, as painful as it is. Do you know that God is way more concerned with your character than he is with your comfort? He is, he's not so concerned with your, everything's going so well, I'm so blessed, hashtag blessed. That, God's not about that. You know the way God defines blessing? Character. If you have character, if you have faith. And how do you get faith? From reading about it? Ah, don't we wish. No, we get faith from having our faith tested. Do we not? That is when the Bible says, that is when our faith will actually grow because God will demonstrate his faithfulness to us. My friend Kim Um, we call her Buffy. Some of you know her. She came and spoke at a ladies thing one time. She was kidnapped at gunpoint um, years ago, and it radically transformed her life, as you would assume. And um, she had received a promise from the Lord when she turned 25 that she was going to be married. And so she was 25, and then she waited, and she waited, And she waited. And she had 27 dresses because she was in everybody else's wedding. And she never got married for the longest time until she was 35 years old. So now imagine this. She gets a promise from God at 25 that she's going to get married. It isn't until she turns 35 that she meets a guy who's 40, he's never been married, she's never been married. They got married and lived happily ever after. I asked her one time, I said, Kim, was it worth it? She said, every minute. But do you think that while she was in the process of waiting for 10 years, she didn't go through some emotional stuff? Do you think maybe she had some issues with God? Do you think that maybe she was a little disappointed? Maybe she was feeling like, maybe I heard wrong. Maybe, maybe God didn't promise me that I was going to get married. Maybe, I, maybe I'm just going to be single. I mean, I can remember being with her sometimes, and she was angry. Do you know that it's okay to be angry at God? Tony Evans, he's another one of my mentors from afar. I love what he says. He says, it's okay for you to have questions for God. But it's not okay to question God. Because then he goes from your provider to your judge. Because we're not supposed to question his character, but we can have questions for God. Trust me, in this last season of my life, which has been very, very long and very dark, I have had many questions for God. I have had a lot of questions for God. Like, God, can you please explain to me why this. Can you please tell me what the benefit of this is? Or God, are you really just? Because it doesn't feel like you're just. Or God, are you in fact my defender? Because I don't feel very defended. Anybody with me on this? You know what I'm talking about? It's okay to have questions for God, but never ever believe anything 
about him that he doesn't say about himself in the Bible. It's so important for us to know what does God reveal about himself to us through the living, breathing word of God. And I want to encourage you, when you open up your Bible, which I hope you do, because it's a source of life, it's a life manual, but when you open it up, just take a second and think about who wrote this. It says that all scripture is God-breathed. It's all breathed by the mouth of God. And he wants to reveal himself to us. So even in the midst of our questions, when we're wondering why is God doing this, what good is this doing? You know, I'm sure my friend Kim wondered at many times, Lord, what is the benefit of this? Will I, will I ever have children? Which she does. She has two amazing kids. But she, I mean, she wrestled. And don't we wrestle too with our emotions, with our feelings, with our feeling abandoned, feeling rejected, feeling forgotten, feeling overlooked, all of these things. But instead, come to that table, Thanksgiving dinner. You can't wait. When you're waiting patiently, let God fill you with that faith that says, God has something good for me on the other side. Remember the story of Joseph? Joseph was this guy who God, God promised him he, all these things. He had these incredible dreams. He made the mistake of telling his jealous brothers, which was, which was not good for him. But he ended up, it took 15 years. That's a long time before anything even started. And he went through so much. He, I mean, he was imprisoned. He was accused of a rape that he didn't commit. I mean, his own brothers sold him into slavery. I mean, this guy had some serious trials. I don't think any of us can match the trials that he had. If you have, I'm so sorry. But think about it. But what did, what did God end up doing? He ended up making Joseph basically the ruler of the whole world, in a sense. Joseph, what, Joseph went through it, though. You know, Abraham and Sarah went through it. Joseph went I mean, and you think about Lazarus, even the story of Lazarus, when the guy dies, right? Think about just the waiting period of his friends, the questions, the emotion, the gut-wrenching emotion that they went through, thinking, wait a minute, this isn't how this is supposed to go. Think about the disciples. Think about the, the followers of Jesus when he was crucified, on a Friday, I always think it would, I, I want to write a book called Waiting on Saturday. Because you think about what, what did his disciples go through on Saturday before he was raised from the dead? And this is what some of the similar emotions we go through at times, right? When we're waiting, waiting for deliverance, waiting for financial breakthrough, waiting for uh, relationships, waiting for God to do something on our behalf. We go through it, and that's natural, and that's normal. But wait patiently and wait expectantly. And the third thing is wait in trust, trusting in God's mercy, knowing that he is good. Let's read this, verse 4. It says, Oh, the joys of of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. The joys of those who what? Trust. 
It's saying even when you're trusting, which means that you've got to be trusting for something because it doesn't require much trusting if everything's good. Amen? It's only when we have to trust for something. Do you understand what I'm saying? It seems like an oxymoron. It seems like when we wait and God's not coming through that that we're, we're going to be grumbling, we're going to be complaining, we're going to be ticked off, we're going to be frustrated. Isn't that our natural human tendency? To go to all of those emotions rather than, okay, I don't know what God is doing, but whatever it is, it's good. Whatever it's good, he's doing something deep in me. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. Never stop. Even when we don't see it, he's doing something good in you. Are you having a hard time believing this? It's hard to believe, huh? See, that's what faith is. Faith is being certain of something that you hope for, even if you can't see it. That's what faith is. So we have to wait and trust. I want to go back to expectation. I want to read this verse 3. It says, he's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Now, this is the part. Many will see what he's done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. I went to the sweetest wedding yesterday. Oh, it was so, so sweet. This couple, um, they, they used to be caught in, in addiction. And by the way, if you have addiction... Um, and you're struggling, and you can't seem to find any relief from that. We have an awesome Celebrate Recovery group that meets on Monday nights here. Please let us know if, if you need someone to walk with you, if you're, if you're ready to get set free from your addiction, what, no matter what it is. But this couple, they were both addicts, and they both came to Jesus. They came to the end of themselves first, and then they came to Jesus. And they had their wedding yesterday, and it was so, so sweet. But the cool thing about it is that they had several non-believers there. A lot of people at that wedding didn't know Jesus. And they look at their lives, and they look at how God has changed them and transformed their lives. And they marvel. Because there's no possible way they could have just made the decision to do that on their own. They had to put their trust in the Lord. So the first thing we do the first essential is to have patience. The second thing is to have expectation. The third thing is to have trust because that's the way you will have joy. And this is what I want to say. This is how you find joy in waiting on the Lord is you just trust. You know, the thing is, I wake up in the morning and I just say, Lord, my life belongs to you. Do with it whatever you will. I trust you. I trust that you're good. I trust that you have good things for me, even when it doesn't look like it, even when I don't see you at work. That's trust. You know, trust, are there any little kids in here? Is there a little kid that wants to volunteer, like really little? No? Okay, let's just imagine <laughs> a little kid. Does a little kid freak out over wondering if their mom and dad are going to make them lunch. For most of us, I think 
you look at a kid, you look at a little child, a child just trusts. Little children are so trusting, aren't they? And Jesus says, unless we change and become as a little child, we won't see the kingdom of heaven. Part of this decision to be, to trust in the midst of waiting expectantly is where you're going to find your joy. You're going to be released from the stress of it. You're going to be released from the worry. Did you know that worry is actually a sin? Yeah. Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. You know, I was sitting outside yesterday, and and a flock of birds went over my head. And I started really meditating on that scripture in Matthew it says, it says, the birds of the air, they don't toil or sow or reap, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. How much more valuable are you than a bird? How much more valuable are you? And then he says, oh, you of little faith. He's saying, I want you to have faith. I am going to provide for all of your needs according to you. To, to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. He's saying, I am going to take care of you. I am going to deliver you. I am going to set you free. I am going to provide everything for you, for your good, for your benefit. I am going to grow your character. You don't need to try to figure it all out. Be like a little child. Just trust. Trust that your daddy knows the best way to work with you, to grow you, to change you, to develop you. And if you had a a horrible earthly father, I know it's hard to grasp that our heavenly father is perfect and that he's good and that he's for us and that he does everything for our benefit. I understand that. But don't ever insult God by comparing him to an imperfect dad on earth. God is perfect and he is for you and you can trust like a little kid. And that's where you're going to find joy and freedom. The fourth thing is humility. So we have patience, expectation, trust, and the last thing is humility. It says, oh Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you've made me listen, I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. God is saying he wants us to come boldly into his presence. It says he wants us to let our requests be made known. And he also wants us to persist in praying. He wants us to persist in believing and to persist in our expectation that he's going to do something good. Yeah? Do you guys believe this? Do you believe it? How many? 50%? How many of you believe it? 100%. 100%. It says, it says God's plans for us are too numerous to even list. Everything that God has for you, it's too numerous to even list. And yet right now we're so bound by time that all we can see is what's right in front of us. And Jesus is saying, hey, faith is being sure of what you hope for, convinced of what you see. He's saying, don't put your eyes on what is seen. 
but on what is unseen. Don't fix your eyes on what is it's temporary, but fix your eyes on what is eternal. God is doing an eternal thing in you. Eternal means never ending. Whatever he's begun in you, he's going to carry it through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And he wants you to trust him. And I promise you, he will demonstrate his faithfulness to you. He will show you that he is good. He will show you that he is your defender. He will show you that he's your provider and your protector. How many of you believe this? Let's stand together. Um, we're going to just probably sing just the, the chorus of that last one. Um, can we just pray this together? I'm going re- to say something. Can you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, I hate waiting. I thank you that you're doing a good thing in me. That you are helping me have expectation. You're helping me trust. You're changing me. You're going to show me your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. And your faithfulness is great. So I surrender. I surrender to your timing. Help me be patient as I wait. Help me wait with expectation, knowing you have good things for me. Help me to trust you, knowing you are good. And help me to be humble and not assume I know better than you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys so much. Uh, Next week, we have a guest speaker. It's actually my spiritual dad, uh, Dr. Daniel Brown. So please come next week. Bring your friends and bring your enemies. God bless you.